Insurance program is paid for by the Hawkeye Huddle, which is solely responsible for its content. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of 1700 The Champ, Cumulus Media, or its employees or management. The Hawkeye Huddle on 1700 The Champ. Interact with the show on Twitter at Hawkeye Huddle and at Hawkeye Huddle 2. And hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Hawkeye Huddle here on 1700 The Champ. Brett Ridge, Dave Creighton Jr. with you. G-Mix in West Des Moines is our location again tonight. Come on down and join us uh, here in Valley Junction. Getting us over the loudspeaker. Gets a little funky, doesn't it? As soon as we go on the air. Oh, there it is. Trying to adjust it so the folks here, and including you if you want to come down and join us, can hear us here as we get set to... Break down uh, a fabulous, glorious uh, weekend for the Iowa Hawkeyes last week and get you set for Iowa-Iowa State. It's hate week here in uh, the state of Iowa. I'd rather we I wouldn't call, call it that. hate, hate week. week. Yeah, that's, that's where they're going, where a lot of people are going with it. So let's go. It's rivalry week. How's that? Is that better? I, I'll take it. It's better. I'm trying not to blow anyone's ears out. I know. Apologize for that. You know, we were getting everybody. Can you hear me? Barely? Yes. Okay, good. Thumbs up. All right, that's all I needed. That's Thank you. Thing. Okay. So, anyway, Iowa, of course, out to the, uh, the uh, boat raced Indiana the other day, 34-6. to six. Number 17, Indiana, to start off the season, by the way. Uh, and the Hawks now up to number 10 in the uh, AP poll. Iowa State, uh, their week's opponent dropped to number 9. So, so we have a top 10 matchup Saturday. Which we theorized. I mean, this was going to be the first time that the two teams were ranked, let alone now in the top 10. I think I saw, didn't Chris Hassel tweet that Iowa State has played 120 games against top 10 teams? And this is the first time they're favored. I did not know that, think but about, that's good to hear. Think about that. Um, <laughs> in any case, uh, off of Iowa's victory this week, uh, that game will be huge up in Ames, 3.30 on Saturday. And, of course, we got a lot of talk uh, to get you set for that one. My friend, it was a day... I think we're going to remember, oddly enough, because there are reasons why we couldn't remember all of it, but we're going to remember a lot of last Saturday for a lot of different reasons. But certainly the excitement of being back was, it was an adrenaline rush for the entire day. Eventually, by halftime, maybe slowing down a little bit, but from the time we arrived... In Iowa City, to the time when uh, Iowa, when Riley Moss picked off the last pass, I, I think, but made it twenty-eight to three. I think is when finally maybe things started to calm into a well. This is the first game mode, right? But up until that point, a wave of emotion, a wave of excitement. Things were just off the hook around they, Iowa. They City. were they were not only off the hook; they were they were uh, dead ass crazy. Yeah. And uh, you know what was interesting, and I think I even said this to you. At the tailgate, I was like, okay, this seems a little reserved, even though we're all here. Um, however, it was, there was no lack of fun being had. Uh, there was uh, plenty of, of camaraderie amongst the uh, tailgaters. Um, I know you walked over to uh, some other tailgates and uh, saw uh, Seth, Benson's, Seth yes. Benson's parents did, amongst yes. them. And, uh, by the way, shout out to Matt Campbell. I'm glad you're listening again here on 1700 he, The Champ. That's always good. And, uh, nevertheless, you know, great, uh, a great time to have by all. And, and I'm going to tell you, after Riley Moss picked off the Hawks score on the fourth play from scrimmage on a beautifully blocked 
50-yard run or thereabouts by 56. 56 by Goodson. Went around the right side and just waltzed into the end zone. And, and basically untouched or... I would not say waltzed, and here's why. Somebody out there puts a gun on the speed of players running and after either running the ball or catching the ball and running the ball. What is this, ESPN, the science project? Apparently, he had he was on the week. He was the third. He, he got going the third fastest of any player catching uh, carrying the ball in all of the NCAA. No kidding. He was running 22.1 miles per hour on that play. He got moving. And well, well Allen, he had the lead at the first pull, I can tell you that. Some guy for East Carolina <laughs> was like point, 22.6 miles per hour. <laughs> the kid for Alabama on that long pass, he was 22.3 or something like that. And Goodson in at 22.1. Next guy down was at 21 and something. But anyway, so he didn't, yes, he was untouched. But let's just, let's just be, I, I, I thought it was funny because a lot of people were talking about, well, Indiana played that play really stupidly, and they did. They made a couple of mistakes. Well, the cornerback crashed, and right. that just it was, opened it up. It was there. Iowa blocked it. On top of that, he ran past everybody. I give the ref, you see, watch the replay of the ground level. There was a referee that was running with him for a little while. Yeah, well, right? then, he, yeah. then he got left about the 18-yard yeah, line. yeah. But um, anyway, I thought it was an interesting but, thing. He, but he after Moss, right? Right. But after Moss picked him, picked off that play. What was it? Three plays later, the place was going crazy. Yeah. I mean, absolutely bonkers. In it, the only thing that I can even closely equate that to is when Amani Hooker picked off the very first pass against Ohio State, and in. The roof came off Kinnick, and this just in, we don't have a roof anymore. Right. <laughs> well, so I, I said to you, well, I had the same, exact same piece of conversation yesterday with, uh, with a friend of mine. We went golfing, and we were talking about it. And I said, you know, the only time I can remember an opening uh, eruption, an opening play or opening drive eruption like those, that opening three minutes was when we scored against Ohio State with that. And yet Ohio State went down and scored. Actually, we we also said this on the way home Saturday night. Remember we said Ohio State went down and scored, then it was 7-7. We've never seen two plays where you got up 14 to nothing. And on top of that, let's just face it, that play by Moss, granted, was... Uh, well, it was a tip, tip ball. The receiver tip, dropped it or whatever. But, but that is, so the lid came off when Goodson ran, scored on the, on the run. Things exploded when Moss did that because immediately we were looking. Oh, we're like, all, right, all right, we're rolling here, right? Well, we're and you even the place sit, was great, you know. For those that don't know, Ridge and I now sit together, which is an interesting dynamic. Thank God Andrew's there <laughs> uh, to to keep between the two of us. But nevertheless, uh, you said, "Well, we're not going to do anything on offense the rest of the game," and I was like, "Oh, good lord!" I mean, there, we're two and a half minutes in, and for a while there, you seem prophetic. Iowa did try to do some things on offense. Um, you know, the narrative that, I, that I've that i been reading, at least amongst the national pundits, is this score is, um, what's the right word? Don't believe exactly the score because Iowa only had this many yards and Spencer Petrus was mm-hmm. 48% from, the, from, you know, passing. Well, he had four, five by our count. But I four, we, right? We, four we had five drops. There's four confirmed, right? Four confirmed drops. Yep. And really, I think he only threw maybe two two bad passes by my count uh, during the day. And and yet, if those those passes were caught, 
Um, and you're going to need the, those passes to be caught this week in order to beat Iowa State. All of a sudden, he's 68% for the day, or 64 or something like that. And he's, you know, about 215 yards passing. I'm not saying he had any touchdowns there, but he certainly had Tracy open for a touchdown that he underthrew completely, but it was still completion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. You know, and, and he had some opportunities to make to make bigger plays that didn't happen, and yet uh, the Hawks won 34-6. So he goes 13 for 27. Should have been 17 for 27. Right? At minimum. So that's, right, and that's not his fault. Uh, so, yes, and, and I thought it, they, they still threw the ball 27 times, right? And didn't do anything exotic with it. Those were pretty basic things he was running. Uh, Indiana's defense, uh, it, had they had little problem figuring out what I was doing at that point because Iowa was up 21-3, to 3, you know, 28-3. to 3. So I, I'm not saying they didn't try anything. I, I think you knew where I was going with that. Right. No, it wasn't going to get crazy unless Indiana, you know, had made a comeback. But I will say this, so... We thought, when we were sitting there, we thought, okay, this is the Petrus we want to see, right? He comes out, he looks in command, he checked down a couple of times, he took his time a little bit. So I thought his timing was better, right? And then, I, and, and I think, yes, we were disappointed he missed. There was a, another rollout where he just completely missed IKM wide open, and, and, you know, and, and he missed the Tracy pass, okay? He missed a couple. I didn't see as many wide open guys as people on people seem watching TV seem to see a bunch of wide open guys that we didn't necessarily see. So that's interesting. Usually it's the other way around. But what I did see when I watched the replay that still scares the crap out of me is on even he's his feet are bouncing around. He just he just I know, but I'm I'm telling you like the first play of the game, right? He checked down nice and comfortably. We thought, oh, that was commanding, right? Watch that play again. He never sets his feet. He's immediately going, oh shit, oh shit. I mean, it was bad, right? I'm like, dude, you've got to calm down. So let's see what happens. I think ocean is a uh, ocean, yes. is a word that you can use. Um, and you know, here's the other the other part of that is that while his feet may not be perfect, and he's not going to you know lead the league and and looking like a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. As long as he makes the good throws and he does what he's supposed to do, the Hawks are going to have a chance and doesn't turn the ball over. So it's it's fine. So right, and, right. And you have to keep that in mind that yes. his mindset is A, make a completion, B, don't don't throw an interception. And, and those are the only two things in his mind. So if he does throw an interception, um, you know, and I guarantee you Indiana's coach – uh, certainly would have wished that for uh, Penix the other day. Yeah, and, it, and yes, by the exactly. way, yeah. this just in: I have never seen a more overrated quarterback than him coming in. Now he's coming off an ACL, and he's this, that, and the other thing. He looked horrible to me. Yeah. He, he didn't throw one spiral, as far as I could tell. And the only one he maybe threw that was a spiral. Riley Moss took back. To the house. I certainly, you know. After he stared the dude down for all 3.2 seconds. Well, there are a lot of comparisons between Indiana and Iowa State people have made. And uh, let me just put it this way. I, I think Brock, <laughs> Brock Purdy is a good quarterback, and I don't see I didn't I didn't watch enough of Michael Penix last year to figure out w- what people were so fired up on, but I certainly didn't see it on Saturday. And, again, there's a guy 
uh, you know, he had a lot of pressure on him from time to time, but he and he was trying to get the ball out. But I didn't see him set his feet much either. And certainly, you're right; he didn't throw very much. By well, way, yeah, I was going to see a better quarterback this week. Oh no, yeah. question. Brock, no question. Brock Purdy's uh, three levels ahead of I, I agree of Penix in in uh, based on experience, based on health, uh, based on the fact he throws right handed instead of left. I'm not sure that that really matters, but it, you know, it certainly didn't seem. You know, the one thing that was notable. Saturday, and I think we talked about this on the ride home, is that they only threw one or two passes towards Matt Hankins' way. And he picked yep. one of them off. They got called back on the worst roughing the passer. So nobody seemed to be penalty. upset about that. I didn't rewatch that part of the game. I oh my gosh. That. I thought it was terrible what we saw, and that we were like, what was that? It looked like he just. He fell down at his right. feet, and Penix sort of. Valkenberg, right? I think. No, it was Wagner. It was Wagner. But nevertheless, it certainly was not in the top 10. And it wasn't targeting, although if you watched the Ole Miss game last night, right. it might have been. It might have been. Uh, Let's let's uh, do make, make sure to mention Riley Moss gets the Big Ten Player of the Week, Walter Camp, and the Walter Camp Player of the Week defensively uh, for his two pickoffs and returns for touchdowns. Do you know how many players uh, in the Big Ten his, Big Ten history have ever had two in one game? How many Hawks? No, how many players? Four. I, well, three of them were Hawks. Three of them are Hawkeyes. Josh Jackson. B.J. Lowry, and now Riley Moss. I don't remember who the other kid was, but he was, was earlier. Was B.J. Lowry against Iowa State? No, I think it was like Western Michigan. Or was something. he the one who had the No, one- Josh Jackson had the one-hander. Uh, oh, up, at I- up in Ames? In Ames. I think that was Lowry. Well, that would have been another interception. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. That was yes, I know what you're talking about. He laid out. Josh Jackson yeah. was against Wisconsin. I remember that. And he had, yes, for his two. So, um, anyway... That's, that's incredible. So the other tailgate I went to, my friend John K. Rick from Cedar Rapids, uh, he was talking about, we were talking about the unsung guys on the Iowa defense and how Riley Moss just doesn't get, this is before the game, and it's so prophetic. He was talking about Riley Moss's speed that nobody understands is there. Just They just don't, you can't assess it until you see him running. You know, hey, he's pretty quick. You know, he, as a sprinter, he... He's he was didn't he run he ran track right yeah and so he can run I don't know I don't know if he won the hundred or won the two hundred or won the four hundred but so, I can assure you that he was in the top two or so three Tom Caker uh, had said something today I think on one of his in one of his articles you know we were looking at possibly uh you know one of the bonus years for him because he he didn't count last year. Yeah, he might end up going to the NFL. Yeah, well I and mean if, shot, if, if right? the NFL shows interest in Riley Moss, then he should go. He should go. At the, I mean, I you know. Plus, I was super deep in corner right now. Oh my anyway, gosh! You know, so which is a, it's a it's an embarrassment of riches, which is well, and, which is kind of cool. Our friend Jack Kerner, I guarantee you, right now is kicking himself for at least one dropped interception and yep. another one that he certainly had his hands on that he felt like he could have had. Iowa, in theory, could have had like five interceptions on Saturday. Well, they could have, yes, they could have had a couple. Well, so the one you're, you're, one you're talking about was before their first field goal, right? We, I mean, I think we, had, we stopped them on third down down there and, and right. picked that one off. Um, I, I, yeah, Iowa, Iowa, believe it or not, Iowa's defensive performance could have been better. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, in, believe it or not, it, it really could. Let's know. just put it this way. The back seven showed up in the fashion that I think we all thought that they would. And, and there was zero. Seth Benson is so good. Running side to side, 
on that football people, field. People Holy cow, is he good. It's, it's interesting. Watch 44 this yes. weekend and just see how fast he makes up ground all over the field. It's incredible. And you want to, so, you know, you wanted to know, because remember, he had to start in the middle last year because Campbell was out and, and um, people were worried about that. Then Those guys basically play the well, same position. They well, just yeah, now you switch. Now you definitely have Benson run a lot more side to side. That's this thing. And, and you're right. He was all over the place. And then when you threw Justin Jacobs in there, tackling <laughs> guys coming from behind. And let me tell you, if you put him at the defensive end and somebody runs away from him, try to, he, he's unblocked. He's going to get him. I loved the rotation on defense you had you had joe evans coming in there on passing downs you had deontay craig coming in there on passing downs i didn't so it turns out logan lee he started logan lee started right he's still ya black is still on the depth chart as the number one defensive tackle but logan lee started the other day and I, i i have to think that that's a gap control thing which by the way was terrific the other day indiana could do nothing that's what they. By the way, the five-star running back from USC, we completely called. Yeah, that he would scored a touchdown against us in the in the Holiday Bowl, but no such luck on Saturday. No such luck. All right, back to tor- talk more about the ocean <laughs> in a couple minutes here on the Hawkeye Huddle on seventeen hundred the Champ. Back to the Hawkeye Huddle with Dave Creighton Jr. and Brett Ridge on seventeen hundred the Champ. Real sports talk for real sports fans. And we are back here. Brett Ridge, Dave Creighton Jr. with you here at G-Mig's Restaurant and Bar at G-Mig's Grill in uh, West Des Moines, Valley Junction. We're it's here each week. It's the pub. It's the pub, isn't it? I get it confused. Uh, we're here each week for the next 34 weeks now. There you go. On Tuesday nights from 6 to 7, you can join us here, and uh, this goes all the way through the winter sports season. We're excited to be back, of course, this year and uh, having a good time as we sit here and talk about Iowa's 34-6 to victory over Indiana the other day. Um they got duck food here. <laughs> Getting nails. <laughs> That's an inside joke, kids. Uh, you know who we're excited to have with us as well? Tom Caker. Tom Caker of HawkeyeReport.com. Good afternoon, Tom. Gentlemen, how are you? Well, we're reveling. How's that? Can we do that for at least another day or two before we uh, we have to worry about Iowa State? It's such a fun. It's always such a fun week to get ready for them, but at the same time, after. What took place this last Saturday? I mean, you had a, a bird's-eye view that's different than a lot of us. We're in the middle of that sea of humanity on Saturday, which was great. But being up there and just kind of looking down and seeing what was going on, you had to kind of sit back from your vantage point and just compare the two over last year and think to yourself, just what a, what a, what a difference fans make. It, it felt different at Kinnick on uh on Saturday, just to have the fans back, to have fans in the building, it just adds so much to the intro with, you know, back in black and everything, the wave, just just made it really, really cool to have everybody back. It was, com- it was beyond cool, Tom. <laughs> it was so fun. We were so excited. I shed a tear. I did. Right? He, did. he was a blubbering idiot. That atmosphere, Tom, and too much, a little too much to drink, right? Yeah, well, baby, that was that was part <laughs> of it, probably. That's for sure. You know that atmosphere, Tom. Um, it was great, not only for all of us, but how cool is it to have? It was a big recruiting weekend, right? You had some some big time recruits, some kids you really wanted to impress in town. You had to think that that was about as good as you could expect for an opening weekend, where you have that many kids come. Uh, and see what Kinnick is all about. 
Yeah, and let's remember, guys, that um, a lot of these kids haven't been on campus anywhere, really. You know, some of them may have been on a little bit when they were younger, but but not a lot. You know, like Caden Proctor said, that, uh, the kid from Southeast Polk said he hadn't been on a, on a visit like that before, you know, for a game. So it, it's, I think it's really important to get those guys in those environments so they can get used to that again. Um, so, you know, when you got five, two five-stars from Southeast Polk, you want to try and get both of them. Absolutely. First impressions first impressions are huge. Really, I mean, you fall in love with the place, and then everywhere else has to live yeah. up to it. So uh, it, it really it was really cool. Um, so speaking of that, you, I know on your on uh, HawkeyeReport.com, you had kind of you caught up with a number of those guys. Uh, what just general impressions that you got off of, of any particular one that that sort of made you sit up and think, okay, I, that that kid might be that kid might really be be uh, sold on Iowa now. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm really in. Uh, kind of uh, intrigued by what uh, Xavier Wampa is doing right now because I keep hearing that maybe Iowa is at least maybe in the running more than we think for him. Um, you know, because the rumor's been like Notre Dame, Ohio State, and then Iowa. But maybe this kid, you know, he sees the NIL possibilities at Iowa that might not be there where he'd just be another guy, another four or five star at Ohio State or Notre Dame. He might be a, a bigger commodity at Iowa. Tom, that is an incredibly interesting thought that you just had when you're a star at one place versus being amongst all the others at another where that NIL thing could actually be beneficial to a place like Iowa or Iowa State. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, but I, I had never even, never even thought or, or considered that in this in this whole era now where where kids can you know uh make some money based on their name image and likeness yeah they can they can do that it's a big deal it's going to be something that's part of the equation and recruiting from here on out well let me just i'll just toss this in there i i just go i have a son who knows kids who know kids right and apparently he's highly complimentary around town here of he's Really seriously interested, right? So he loves Phil Parker and some of these things. So, I, I, Tom, I, it's not that's a rumor that that even the kids around Des Moines are actually, you know, are actually throwing around there. So, it's it'd be great news. I mean, there's no way to confirm it, but it's at least he's interested. So that's pretty cool. Um, moving on a little bit, uh, the the standout on the defensive line the other day that sort of surprised or offensive line, excuse me, on the offensive line that sort of surprised everybody. Nick DeYoung comes out there and has the best pro football focus uh, grades. Uh, I seriously, of all the guys that were going out there, I'd love to see it. Boy, that's an unsung hero you didn't expect to have a great game on the offensive line. Yeah, he's not attracted a lot of attention. Um, you know, I had gotten word a while back that he was probably going to be the starter going into the season just because they really liked his steady play. And and you continue to see that. He's really steady. He's, uh, you know, kind of low maintenance, but he just goes out there and gets the job done. They ran a lot to the right side too. That big run to uh, for Goodson to start the game off was uh, was to his side. So they really trust him in the run game. And then, of course, we saw plenty of, of uh, Mason Richmond 
and and it, it sound it seems like he uh, well I didn't think he did anything to hurt himself in terms of being the starter on that side of the ball. Yeah, um, he's you know you kind of felt like he was going to end up being the starter, um, you know after Kids Day where he performed really well and even though they kept posting up that uh, that uh, Jack Plum was starting, he just kind of felt that it was going the other direction. So. Um, yeah, I think I, I think he's playing well. I think Cody Ince played well. Um, it's too bad that Kyler Shot couldn't get back this week. I know he really wanted to get back for the Iowa State game, but we'll get him back here in the next week or two, and um, and then have just another really good lineman that they can plug in there. So, Tom, as as we look forward here to Cyhawk Week, it seems to me that the biggest concern that Iowa need, has, obviously. The offense did what it needed to do the other day, but it's it certainly wasn't a juggernaut going out there and getting 450 yards. The defense, you couldn't have asked for too much more. As you look forward to this week, what do you see as the big keys for this football game? Oh, I think, uh, I think turnovers are going to be monstrous in this game just because um, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to probably be low scoring. I think the defenses are going to probably dominate the action. And um, with all that uh, all that out there, it's just one turnover, one mistake, one interception, one fumble that, that's going to maybe swing this game. And we saw it uh, the last time these two teams played in Ames. The, the game got settled on a, on a really on bad punt. punt mistake by Iowa State. Uh, and... Iowa recovers the ball and game over. So that's what's going to probably decide this game on uh, on Saturday too. Is probably special teams and probably a turnover. Did you hear anything today that was insightful in terms of what the uh, of what what the Hawks are looking at doing? I mean, at this point, I feel like we know both these teams much better than we knew what we were going to look at last week. And I thought that probably Iowa State's um, uh, sort of struggle a little bit with UNI was probably beneficial to them mentally. You feel like the Hawks have got a handle on what they got to do on Saturday, and they're not going to—they're not going to—I don't want to say get overconfident, but after you win a game like that the other day, you start things out and you see Iowa State goes uh, goes 16-10 versus UNI. Did you see anything today or hear anything today of concern or more uh, built more confidence in you? Um, not really. Um, just they're going to say what they usually say uh, going into a game like this. Other than Tyler Goodson kind of called it their super, um, you know, Iowa State Super Bowl and stuff like that. But we, I don't really buy that that's going to be a big deal for anybody. Um, I think that'll be kind of just whatever. I mean, this is there's this team. This team doesn't need any more hype. I mean, it's now it's two top ten teams. Uh, Iowa and Iowa State have never both been in the top. 10 at the same time ever in the history of college football. I mean, it's just it's crazy to think that they're playing each other this weekend as both top 10 teams. You know, that's it. I did not realize that that was the case. I I remember back in 2002, I think it was, after uh, uh, the Brad Banks, we were, Hawks were ahead 24-7, and then the, uh, Seneca Wallace and all that, and then the Texas Tech run, and Iowa State got to like 10 they lost to Oklahoma. They got crushed at Oklahoma and then kind of started downhill at that point. They made yeah. it into the top ten at that point. They did, yeah. But never, but nevertheless, there's no question game day's coming. I mean, all of those other things that are there. 
it's going to be a great atmosphere on Saturday in Ames. And, you know, I mean, obviously the Hawks are a four-point underdog. Uh, Iowa State's never been in the top ten, face a top ten team. That's what Ridge said earlier. And, oh, by the way, now favorite, they're favored. Favored over a top ten team. What was that? I'm sorry, Tom. What I was saying is that Iowa State's uh, played like 100 top 10 teams. They've never been favored against one of them. Yeah. Yeah. um, This is just a giant game. This doesn't need any more hype than it's gotten already, I think. It's just going to be a big deal. Well, it's going to be off the hook. It's going to be super fun, and I'm, I'm... I'm not going to get too wrapped up in this because I like the way Iowa started out. And the only thing I, would, I, I want to leave you with, Tom, is, hey, the Hawks are in first place in the Big Ten West. And uh, <laughs> looking forward, that can't be underestimated because uh, all you got to do now is you just got to beat the teams in the Big Ten West and, and you, you got to go to Indianapolis, which wouldn't be too awful bad either way that this game goes this weekend. Yeah, it's... Um you know, there was a big weekend last weekend with Wisconsin losing, Iowa winning, Northwestern not looking good, um, you know, Illinois taking an L, uh, we know Nebraska's situation. And that Big Ten West just kind of opened up uh, for Iowa pretty well, um, regardless of what happens this weekend. So it's going to be, uh, you know, Iowa, I think, is in pretty good shape in the Big Ten West right now. Well, and let's not forget Minnesota with yeah. the running back getting out for the season. Yep. True. That's another thing, too. Yeah, absolutely. Phil, Phil we actually, we were saying we feel bad because the kid's right. good, right? He's, he's, I mean, you can hate P.J. Fleck all you want and think he's a, a, a moron and all that, but, boy, that's tough when you, when a kid that's that talented goes down that early in the year. All right, Tom, hey, uh, you want to throw a prediction out there, or do we have to wait till your uh, till your assessment on Friday? All right. Well, um, thanks, guys, and uh, thank, appreciate you having me on. Right. Tom, thank you so much. Appreciate it very much. Did, thanks, guys. Did he, did, thanks, Tom. Tom Kicker at HawkeyeReport.com. Did he, he, he bail. He did punted. Did he bail or did he, punted. He, did he punt? Or did I don't he, think he could hear it. Okay. That was probably it. Uh, it, there's been a lot of lot of uh, a few technical difficulties, uh, things wavering on the on the air here today that we've said, right? So, um, <laughs> Ocean's case, Eleven. Yes. Um, just the last couple of things to wrap up about last week before we spend our last segment on Iowa State. I want to get back to. Uh, I want to throw this out. The punting game. How funny is it to just see a guy who never gets the ball returned on him ever, <laughs> right? Ever. So did you? Did we we I know we. So what, what did he average? Forty six yards, or just just about. Some somewhere in there, and he had a rocket, uh, a rocket spiral, right? He had a end over end, a couple of them that he. That, I mean, he does this on purpose, by the way, right? He kicks, so it was an end over end that he that was unreturnable, and a couple of them that he flopped in there didn't quite get him to drop. I don't know yeah. if he plays golf, but if he does, I bet he's got a good wedge he's game. Got, he's got a good short game. Because those two punts that went into the end zone were in the end zone by less than one yard. And the last punt of the day was a rugby punt. He ran out to the right and did it on the run. Of course, Australian rules football player ought to be able to do that. It's kind of one of the ways they do it. But seriously, I mean, he he did all he did. He punted three different ways the other day. It's super fun to think about that as a weapon. But on top of that, it really does that when you that was his stat last year. I think it was he had. It's like 28 out of 30 punts or something like that that were not returned, right? 
And that is a huge thing. One is flipping the field, and two is that they can't return the ball. Well, particularly when your defense is so good, or has been so good, at, at stopping the other team from going sustained drives. And, I, and even though those balls went in the end zone, I'm pretty sure that Phil Parker would be happy knowing that the other team gets the ball at the 20-yard line, and that's that's as good as it's going to be. Right. He'll never – right, it does go any further He's than. not going to be complaining too very hard about that. And as we give our, our props to the to the special teams, you got to love Caleb Shudak not only making the live field goals that counted and all that. But the other goals. three that were called for timeouts. Yes, drilling everything, right? He had <laughs> all of them right there at the end of the first half, too, which was really cool. Did you know that Shudak's dad is the second-leading scorer at Iowa State? I didn't know that was the stat. I knew he'd played for Iowa State, and this could be – that's a storyline right there. It, it is. Chad Liskow, I give him credit. He found that out today, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. I didn't – now, the name I – Jeff Shudak, he was a kicker. Uh, second leading scorer in Iowa State history. We'll be back. You're listening to the Hawkeye Huddle with Dave Creighton Jr. and Brett Ridge on 1700. The Champ, real sports talk for real sports fans. And we're back here in Valley Junction, West Des Moines. Brett Ridge, Dave Creighton Jr. with you. I want to thank the great sponsors uh, here on our program. Of course, G-Migs that's hosting us tonight. And uh, our friends over at the Foundry, Foundry Distilling. And uh, let's not forget AMPM plumbing. You know what they do? Brett, they do plumbing. They do. You got a clog drain, you call them. Is that what all? You got a thing, you call them. Anytime, night or day. Well, plumbing, AMPM plumbing, right here in the junction. In the junction as well. So we appreciate uh, everybody supporting the program, and of course we'll uh, we'll hope to find a few more supporters of the program as the year uh, wears on and wears along. But uh, appreciate them hopping in for another year as well. Um, <clears throat> a couple of things the other day we did not enjoy. Game day experience at Iowa, there were a few things disappointing. One, that since nobody can get a cell signal there except for apparently AT&T customers. Or was it U.S. Cellular? Well, somebody I saw. Anyone who's not on Verizon perhaps can get a, can get a cell phone uh, signal. There's no Wi-Fi in Kinnick, um, even though that was something that was requested. And for the love of God, out-of-town scores, it's not that hard. They didn't run a single score there. Run a ticker. They've been doing it on ESPN for 30 years. Well, I noticed, you know, I think it was two years ago, I noticed that they would run the scores, but they were way behind what, what people, you'd hear people around saying, well, that, that was an hour ago, right? You know, so they were way behind. I don't know how difficult it can be. Well, I it's don't care if it's an hour late as long as there's something to look at occasionally. I mean, back in the day when I was doing the Des Moines Menace, we had a page, Chuck Shockley had a pager. This just I in, mean, in should, case Gary Barta doesn't know this, gambling is sort of a big thing in Iowa now and with sports sort of betting, and people want to know how to look at their scores. And if you got no Wi-Fi and no cell service, you can't check a score during the game. You know what Put else? it on the freaking scoreboard. Put it up there. You know what else? So there's another thing they eliminated, and I don't get this. I go down because if you have beer, which was great, by the way, to have right. in the stadium. And they did a great job. They, and they did. Lines were good. Everything moving good. And, by the way, nobody arrested either. That was nice to see, right? They, they joked a little bit about that today, but did absolutely good. But went down to use the restroom, and I go in, and there's no radio playing. Like so, in the, that that was right before that was when Tyler Goodson's fumble, and that was when Riley Moss returned for a touch. No radio, nothing playing downstairs. Now the TVs had the game on on the one wall, right? But they don't do them on both walls because they know what you're standing in there to watch. Which, okay, listen seriously, because you go up. I'm, 
We go up to you go up to Ames this week. You'll see. You can watch the TVs. You're adult enough to watch, and they want your experience to be good enough. In Iowa City, we're going to babysit everybody, and we're going to make sure that yeah, while you're standing in line to buy something, you can see it, but you can't hang out down there. But seriously, why not the radio in the in the restrooms? For, so they've got the guy telling you the ticket policy and the COVID policy, and I the purse policy. You know, it's, it's interesting. I did it's not. Ridiculous. I did not realize that uh, it's, it's during silly. my two trips to the restroom. Gary Bard is getting a sternly worded email, and I believe everybody. I'm serious about this. I'm dead. A few years ago, it was soap in the bathrooms that I couldn't figure out. This one, I really believe the Iowa fans who have paid for this need to hammer him with emails to say, you asked, you asked, and you we, we all told you what to do to make the game day experience better, and you did none of it. No, I added a beer. Okay. The, okay. Uh, but the other problem with the Wi-Fi thing is there were a lot of people, including yourself, right. who had ticket issues right now. So we, we're not. I don't. I don't want to inundate the people that we got the. Well, we eventually got Wi-Fi service from. So we're not going to explain how we did it. But if you think about it, there are a few public places there you could do that, which is where we went. Right. Right. I had another buddy that said they had to go. They literally walked as far away from the stadium as they could. They got on the other side of Carver, and they were able to to get tickets to download. And then they were starting to get a better signal. If I walked to North Liberty yeah. to get a signal. If they're going to do the electronic ticket thing. They've got to figure that out. It's well, hopefully, so. because that was the first game, everyone will have now figured it out for all the uh, ongoing games. My issue was I thought I downloaded both tickets. I only downloaded, right. downloaded one. Right. Got to download them both. I didn't realize that they, they were independent of one another. So, nevertheless, I got all that squared away, and we're fine. But, okay, enough with, enough with the game day experience. And yes, I'm Gary, sorry, put the freaking scores on. Put the score, not just for gambling. We wanted to know what was going on with our opponents this week. This just in. Right? We've got a big game, and we got like eight minutes to talk about it, maybe. Okay, so Iowa State clearly didn't roll the other day, but guess what? They didn't look, They didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. They this this team this was just an underwhelming performance. It's gonna be this. It's gonna be off the hook with the game day coming. And I everything. don't know how how long has Matt Campbell been there? Six years. This is sixth year. I think he's like I don't know three and two in openers or three and three or four and two in openers, and none of them have been exhilarating performances, with the exception of maybe one time they rolled you and I like forty two to twenty four. Outside of that. Iowa State's a bad bet in that first game for sh- for certain. They just do Dude, not. That c- was that was easy money, easy money on. But on your is local the draft reason site. that they're a bad bet because they always spend most of their time preparing to play Iowa? I, I don't know if they were pre-preparing like that, but I do know this mentally. They had to be thinking. That, yeah, you want to talk I, about a look? I was going to be good, but you're looking. At, you're clearly looking ahead, right? Obviously, they were looking ahead, and they, yes. And you can't if you're going to lay your 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 life's line on the fact that Iowa State uh, looked horrible last week, and Iowa looked great, and that's why you think that Iowa's going to beat them. You need to you need to check yourself at the door because this is this game. While Goodson says it's Iowa State Super Bowl, I can assure you that. Kirk figured it out a few years ago that this game matters, and it matters to the fan base. It matters to the players from the University of Iowa who are from Iowa, and it and it matters. And that's why last year when you went to the State Fair, there was four or five trophies there because yeah, trophy games matter 
now to Kirk Ferentz. They, 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 and they matter. They matter in terms, certainly in terms of recruiting. And they recruiting. Matter, and now, certainly in terms of ranking, right? I was in a conversation along with Iowa State as a CFP dark horse, right? I mean, ESPN literally just had both of Greg, them. Up Greg there's Mac- like three, McElroy just talking about three three yeah. percent right. chances or something. Essentially, whoever wins this game stays in the conversation. Stays. In yes. the at the top of the conversation, or at least at the uh, bottom third of the conversation. So you got Brock Purdy, who the difference between him. There's a number of differences between him, him and the Penix kid we watched the other day. I'll say one is that he will set his feet to throw, and I thought Penix was not setting his feet to throw. He also and Purdy throws run. well on the run, right? And he yeah, could yeah. also move, right? I, it's not it's not a giant part of their offense, but it's part of their offense, right? Brees Hall is an NFL running back, maybe the best in the country in the conversation with Tyler Goodson, right? He's there's, that no, good. there's no question that he is an outstanding talent, and he's a very, very good runner. And the Hawkeyes' defensive line is going to have to, to try and neutralize that so that the linebackers can come up and make plays and make tackles. Uh, you can't allow the big plays. You know, and that's Phil Parker's whole deal. No big plays, right? No big plays. The one and, thing I'll- and, oh, by the way, this just in for all of our Cyclone fans of the Hawkeye Hill who are currently listening, including you, Coach Matt Campbell. Your trick play that worked a couple years ago, <laughs> just, you had a freaking offensive lineman 10 yards yeah. downfield. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if your trick plays work against Iowa, it's generally because some, there's, there's a penalty there. Right. There's a pick. There's a there's a, there's a pick by a wide receiver. There's an offensive lineman downfield, ten the, yards. The last, downfield. yeah, the last, Well, and the last one that, that that worked against Iowa was Nebraska running the same thing, right? A little halfback pass. He had four linemen who were at least eight yards downfield, which is why Kirk Ferentz got a a penalty on that play as well, right? Listen, that's I think that's one of the things. And Campbell, you know, they've got the video of him right uh, close up when he ran that last time, saying they think they're so bleeping smart, right? right? Um, so I mean, he, you know who doesn't forget things like that? Kirk Ferentz doesn't. And Phil and, and Phil, Phil Parker. Parker, right? Kirk I, Ferentz could tell you it had for dinner after the Iowa State game three years ago. So turnovers are going to be huge. Probably that's, included that goes, ice cream. That, that's Captain Obvious, but I think the trick plays thing. He Campbell throws him in. He does, and he feels he needs to, right? And that's fine because, you know, against Iowa's defense at this point, maybe you're going to want to based on what you saw on, on film. Well, in order. It, you know, the Hawks are so disciplined. They're, they stay home. They do their jobs. They try not to give up the edge. And last week, they didn't give up the edge, as I can recall, one time. Indiana had one play over 20 yards the whole game uh, on a pass to, I don't know, their great receiver. Five Yeah. yeah. Um, who broke one tackle, and then and then Jack missed him, and, yeah. and he went for like 25 yards. Other than that, that was the biggest play Indiana had. All game. Iowa needs to obviously control those sorts of things. They need to control the line of scrimmage. They need to be able to run the football and make sure. If, if Iowa has the ball for 30, 31 to 33 minutes feel good about it. of this football game, outside of big plays, I feel really good about it. More pressure on Iowa State now than ever before. Do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, they've always, they've always come in as the little, as the underdog, little boy underdog. Chip on their shoulder. You can't play that card after what they've, what they've been doing, right? You can't play. And if I'm it, sorry. The preseason yeah. pundits have already said that they're better than Iowa. And, and you're the favorite. And you're at home. I think there is a little more pressure on them, right? I think now you don't. I, I, mean, don't, I don't know if feel that, it the I same way. I don't know if that matters. Right. 
In this game, I really don't. All right. Foundry yeah, Distilling. Foundry last Distilling, call. last call. Um, by the way, I had I had 35-21 uh, last week. So you I, did. I, you I, nailed it. You were way better than I did. Yeah. I thought Defensive Indiana touchdown would... and everything, right? Uh but I will. So I will say this. I, I um, I, I think I think there is a little more pressure on Iowa State. Which Hurry! Is, oh, jeez. Uh, I don't think Iowa State's offensive line is great. I think their wide receivers are bad blockers. I think Iowa shuts them down. Iowa wins this one. It's tight. It's tight. Seven, seventeen, ten. Seventeen, sixteen, Hawks. Wow, we're right on seventeens. We'll talk about it and we'll wrap it all up uh, for you next week when we come back next Tuesday on the Hawkeye Huddle on seventeen hundred, the champ.